Welcome to today's podcast, where we interview treasurers about their treasury careers. This is one of our update episodes. I'm going to talk to Chris Wyckoff. Chris, when we last spoke way back in 2019, wow, yeah, it was pre-COVID, and you hear us talk about that at the end of the show. He was, at the time, the treasurer for Intrado. He's now the CFO at Werner Enterprises. We'll get him to describe a little bit more about his career, because it's just great how he's made the transition from treasurer to now CFO in Omaha, Nebraska. Really interesting conversation. Let's get into the show. You can hear the previous podcast, then we catch up. Got some great info for you listeners. Thank you for being listeners. Love doing the podcast every week. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to treasurers about how they built their careers, where they are now, where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. This week's show, joined by Chris Wyckoff, the Executive Vice President and Treasurer at Intrado, previously known as West Corporation. Now, the group itself, have I've said that right, Intrado, they are headquartered in Omaha, Nebraska. They're a Fortune 1000 company, and they're a global provider of communications and network infrastructure services with over $2 billion in re annual revenues. I'll get Chris to explain a bit more about that later on in the show. But he's been within Treasury for a number of years now. First discovering finance, and then making the move whilst at Comscope into Treasury itself. We're going to dial right back to the beginning and maybe how he first discovered finance at Treasury, back to university, and then onwards. But Chris, enough about that. Let's uh, talk about Treasury. Take us back to the very beginning, business degree, then you discover finance and a natural step into Treasury. Would that be right? Yes, that's right. And great to speak with you, Mike. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, I uh, went to school, University of South Carolina, uh, studying international business and really thankful for, you know, where that has, has led me. Didn't necessarily plan on a career in 20 years in, in corporate treasury and, and corporate finance, but, you know, really getting that foundation in international business was, couldn't ask for, for a better foundation and where my uh, career has, has led me today. So I did have some, some jobs in finance. Prior to joining Lucent Technologies, that then later became Avaya Inc., but I would say that's really the point at which my career really started to take off. And since then, which was around early 2000 timeframe, has really been concentrated in large global technology companies and specifically within the telecommunications equipment and, and communication space. Hmm. And then with that, you said you know, Avaya and things like that. Talk, so perhaps talk us through, because that then led you to Comscope. The roles of Avaya, they were preparing you within finance, but then what happened next sort of thing? You know, how did you then come across Comscope and that transition? Yeah, really when I joined Lucent Technologies in uh, January of 2000, Avaya Inc. wasn't even known, at least in the general public uh, at that point. I joined Lucent Technologies and Within a couple of months, literally, they announced the spinoff of about $8 million of their revenue and, and certain divisions to become Avaya Communications. It was a, a global spinoff of the public company, Lucent Technologies, and it was a massive undertaking. And the uh, division that I was a part of, Network Products Group uh, division, I quickly had the opportunity and found myself in all of the project planning to spin off that business for the division that I was a part of around the world. And it was just a phenomenal experience, not only traveling around the world, but working very cross-functionally with distribution and supply chain, manufacturing, certainly, you know, all of the finance, accounting, tax, and really working w with a large number of people to be able to support and facilitate that spinoff of, of a very large and complicated business. That experience then enabled me to move into a division controller role within Avaya and specifically a, a connectivity solutions business here in Omaha, Nebraska, that then later became the target of an acquisition by Comscope Inc. that was headquartered in Hickory, North Carolina, and really found myself in a very similar situation with Comscope, the acquiring entity of 
integrating now this connectivity solutions business from Avaya into the Comscope business. This particular business and division of Avaya called Connectivity Solutions was about a $500 million business in annual revenue. Comscope prior to that was also about $500 million in annual revenue. And so really that business and Comscope grew overnight and doubled their business. But I would say in terms of the international footprint, they just grew exponentially. They had mm-hmm. some business prior to that in Brazil and in Belgium, but really overnight with this acquisition of the Connectivity Solutions business from Avaya, they were in well over 30 countries, manufacturing and distribution and a lot of assets and employees all over the world. So they just quickly found themselves in a very new environment and a whole lot of international complexity. So my first year at Comscope was really doing a lot of what I had done three or four years prior with the spinoff of Avaya from Lucent Technologies and doing that for essentially the, the same business. It was an asset carve out. So we had to establish a new back office uh, structure and, and infrastructure, bank accounts, processes, control systems, and ways of, of supporting that business around the world and getting off transition service agreements as quickly as we could from Avaya. And so very interesting, when I look back on it, very interesting, you know, four or five years there between Lucent and Avaya and Comscope. And really after we settled into with Comscope and integrating that business, there were some opportunities uh, at Comscope. And I had an opportunity given how quickly they were growing of evaluating where did I want to be? Where did I want to be geographically? And, and what was the next step for my career within the broader corporate finance, accounting, internal audit, you know, lots of different opportunities. And at that time, what I thought was interesting was was Treasury. It was a very, very small lean team. In fact, there's two individuals, the treasurer and then a cash administrator at that time for Comscope within corporate treasury. And so when I decided to join Treasury, I grew the, the team by 30 percent. And so we were, a, we, we were a team of three. And from there, the business just continued to grow and evolve over another more than a decade while I was with them. And it was a great opportunity to be with a a great company, growing company in a great industry. And Comscope continued to grow organically and through a number of acquisitions. And that's really where I I started focusing specifically on on corporate treasury. And then with that, Chris, because you, you know, a number of, you're one of the few candidates or one of the few people that I've perhaps spoken to rather on the podcast. A lot of people have broken into treasury as a treasury assistant, analyst, manager, you know, those earlier moves as such. And yeah, you were joining a smaller treasury, but you were discovering treasury as a more senior finance professional did that give you a different outlook do you think and you know because sometimes people get into treasury and then they try and discover the rest of the business but they've already found they're sort of in a more specialized area and they're having to force out there but you would you were doing the other way around you you've been out there in the business you knew a lot of this oh actually i've discovered treasury how did that work yeah i think you're right i mean i i had to take a step back and and really get familiar with some of the basic elements of, of treasury and, and experience that day in the life of a treasury analyst or treasury manager and understand, you know, what was important, what was priority. And, you know, again, we were a very small team. That team went from two to three when, when I joined them. So, and while those two individuals, including the treasurer, had been at the company at that point for a long time, everything was changing. They had just doubled their business. They had just grown from being in Canada and Brazil and and Belgium, aside from the U.S., to suddenly being in 30 countries. So, you know, frankly, we were all learning together. We were evolving Mm -hmm. together. And so, you know, it wasn't wasn't just me that was experiencing this new environment of of treasury and international treasury and and also some some tax aspect of that as as that evolved. Uh, But we were really doing it together. And that was an exciting time. And with that, you you then grew your treasury expertise. And, you know, and again, going back to that question, and the reason I said it is I think you bring so much freshness to it sometimes. And I'm not getting a criticism of treasury professionals have been it from day one sort of thing, but you were bringing in lots of other things. You know, did people notice your different viewpoint, would you say? And as you, you know, grew within your roles, did they notice that a bit more, would you say? Yeah, I think so. I think that's part of what I would say has certainly driven my career is always having a a, a broader uh, perspective, a, a vision, and 
constantly learning, appreciating value and in, in trying to learn quickly and put that learning to work where where I can, uh, not just me, but, but a team of people can add value and we can step into where the, are their needs, where's the, their complexity that maybe needs some attention to bring uh, some order or to make the complex simple. I really never viewed it or approached it as our sole job or only job, certainly maybe the most, impri- the, the most important priority, but, our, but not necessarily our only job was managing a list of bank accounts or uh, being able to report out on cash and do cash position every day, you know, which again, were certainly priority and most important. But I always looked at where are there connection points? Where are the areas where we can step in, where we can fill a need, where we can deal with complexity, where we can uh, learn a certain area and bring some value and order and expertise to it? I think that's what drew me to Treasury in the first place was knowing that this was a niche space. Early on, I recognized that, and I think that's actually something that attracted me to it. I had some other opportunities at Comscope that I could have pursued and had been in some other areas of accounting and finance at the operating and, and business unit level while with Lucent and Avaya and, and even jobs before that. But I recognized that this, this treasury area was small. Some might see that as maybe a hurdle or an obstacle, maybe something that they're they're not interested in. I saw it as this is a niche. This is something where you can really dive into. You can become the internal expert in this area and you can really make it your own. And that always excited me. And I would say over the last 20 years, that's consistently what I've seen as I've talked with other companies, large and small companies, and deal with banks and talk with them about what they're talking about with their clients and going to conferences and and talking with different people. A treasury is a niche and it can be exciting if you approach it in a way where you want to own that and you want to really develop that center of excellence within your company. And you had a, well, an amazing growth throughout there. You made some lovely moves within Treasury, you know, through to becoming the treasurer before you moved into your most recent company, Entrado and things like that. But, you know, what was key to your progression through that? Was it you were there learning the group, you know, le- learning the ropes, wrong way, but, you know, sort of as your career grew, your roles and responsibilities grew, or how did that go hand in hand? And, you know, what then led to you making the move? you know, to this latest, you know, this latest company, I think. Well, I would say that, again, always had focused to having striking this balance of focusing on the day to day and what is important for today, but also these other areas where we can bring value. I think over my career, I, I maybe didn't recognize it right away, but certainly over my career, I think I grew greater appreciation for bringing some things maybe that came natural with with some other important areas like developing partnerships, developing teams, developing relationships. We may have been able to step into some complexity and and may have been able to add, you know, value in one place or, or the other. But I think that really started propel when you build relationships internally, externally, when you build those those partnerships and, you know, create kind of this collaborative energy. And I think all of that contributed to over a period of time of continually expanding responsibilities, uh, taking on new things, and not being afraid to do that, never being afraid to to learn, to step into a space that maybe is not so familiar, but it's a need, and having that eagerness, again, not just myself, but those around me to step in uh, to something and explore it, learn it, and how can we make it better? And I think just over time, that evolves into expanding responsibilities and if you're able to do that well then it can be it can be a great experience to to grow the team as we spoke about before the show and we'll go on to your current role as treasurer but just digging into that for a moment if it's appropriate the you say about not being fearful and you've got a team that work around with you and everything else maybe even in your current role but how do you elicit or coach those guys around you again we've got people listening today that will say oh i've got this lady working for me i've got this guy working for me and they they seem fearful of taking on responsibility or take you know taking that next step you know is it your responsibility to the treasurer to provide that environment or how are you what are you giving them you know as a, a team what's your plan of action to help them sort of thing 
Yeah. So I think one is, you know, being able to cast vision. It doesn't Mm -hmm. stop there, but I think it can start there is casting a vision that where you can provide others with a broader perspective, maybe a fresh perspective, a vision of something that is exciting, is maybe not as narrow focused as, as maybe what they just naturally came to a role or a position or opportunity with maybe a more narrow focused perspective. But as soon as I can, being able to broaden that for them and give them vision that we can all embrace, we can own, and that we're excited to get behind. But again, it doesn't stop there because that vision, when it's broader, can also become in- intimidating and uncertain of, okay, well, initially I got excited about this vision, but I'm not really sure how to get there. I'm not sure that I know how to get there or it can just be overwhelming to me. So I think you have to go from casting that vision and creating kind of this collective ownership of that vision to empowering a team, equipping them to be successful, you know, kind of wrapping that all around a belief in people, encouragement, partnership to get them to where they need to be. I think it also has to be wrapped up with really a focus on process, mm-hmm. on information and how you, we use information, you know, leveraging technology and to put those components together to make that vision and attainment of that vision possible and mm-hmm. attainable and something that's also sustainable and repeatable by using, you know, focusing on people and process and, and technology and control and data. So, and, and that's a continual effort. That's not a, a one and done thing. That's just a continual over and over and over of casting vision, empowering people, equipping them to be successful, encouraging them and giving them the right tools Again, process, technology, data, uh, giving them the tools to be successful. People are going to make mistakes, uh, particularly when you're constantly, you know, over time expanding your territory, stepping into new areas while also trying to support the day-to-day and and to do that well. In that environment, you're always learning. You're always looking to get better. And so that means you're going to make mistakes and to know that it is a partnership. And as long as there's, you know, the right ability to learn and to be part of the team and, and come to the job every day with the right positive attitude, then Okay, that that's the essentials for success, not to do it, you know, perfectly all the time. Certainly you want to mitigate uh, mistakes as much as possible, but when you're trying to build a team that is is growing and taking on new responsibilities and and getting better, you know, there just has to be this understanding that hey, we're going to make some mistakes along the way and and we're going to make those mistakes together and learn from it and move on. And you recently won an award, congratulations. The program of change and this is what originally I, I reached out to Chris, although we've got connections in common, I actually read this and was really impressed by massive program of change, in-house bank, managing a transition from a public company to private, which is the thing that a lot of people do the opposite way around, but you've done that. And, you know, with a you know clear focus, 18 months transition, so rapid change and everything else, you know, where it's relevant, maybe dig in and explain to people, if you would, the move to the role or, you know, talk us through all of that massive changes that have been happening. You know, back to you. Yeah. So uh, while with Entrado, formerly known as West Corporation, like you said, large global business, uh, $2 billion in annual revenues, really a company that uh, has a portfolio of tech-enabled communication solutions to its customers, uh, essentially having a variety of ways using technology to put our clients in communication with their clients or their constituents and through lots of different channels, whether that's through text or streaming or, you know, a video or uh, interactive voice recognition type of communication, you know, whatever, but, uh, but putting solutions in place, uh, that's what Intrado and formerly West Corporation does. And when I joined the company, transitioning from Comscope to West Corporation, uh, West Corporation was public company. And we, within 18 months, of joining the company, we were on a path to go private, acquired by Apollo Group, a large private equity, and uh, had experienced that also at Comscope, where we went from public to private and then did an IPO and went back to public before, before I left Comscope. And with that acquisition by Apollo Group, there was a vision for a lot of transformation and really top-down a a culture to change and to harvest opportunity out of just transforming the business. 
uh, taking a lot of great assets and people and solutions and portfolio of clients around the world, but making it better. And in the history of West Corporation, there was a lot of growth through acquisitions. There were some gaps in terms of integration. So there was some history to, to deal with and to further integrate past acquisitions while also continuing to grow through acquisitions. To date, we've had, I believe, eight acquisitions since we've gone private with Apollo. And so there was just all of this, this culture to further integrate the past, to continue to integrate the present and the future while looking for all opportunities to make the company a better faster, cheaper. And there is, in fact, a complete framework around transformational opportunities and building business cases around that and tracking progress and and putting a whole governance structure around transformation for the company. And that applied to finance. It even applied to treasury. Coming into the role, there was a lot of, what I'll say, uh, maturing to do in the treasury function. It was a small team casting that vision and kind of broadening the perspective that I mentioned earlier was something that I had to do coming into this role is repainting the picture for the team of what corporate treasury could look like and frankly should look like to support a global complex technology company with $2 billion in sales. And so out of a lot of that, what we collectively decided to pursue was a bank transformation effort of consolidating banking partners, reducing our bank account footprint around the world uh, to be more efficient, more cost effective, but also to add some complexity where it made sense, like uh, in developing some some cross-country and multi-currency physical sweeping and pooling structures in, in Europe, and also plugging in technology, pursuing a, a treasury management system. Over my career, I've, I've gone from developing in-house treasury platforms and systems that would support what we needed to do on a day-to-day basis to also implementing a third-party uh, treasury workstations. I've implemented Reval and more recently with Intrado, we decided to implement Cariba. So that was a part of our transformational effort. And all of that in the midst of uh, supporting that change going from public to private in terms of the capital structure and changing our, our debt portfolio or hedge portfolio and all the while, you know, building a sustainable team. So mm. there was a lot it. there, but... Yeah. yeah, we were, we were busy. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say because it didn't sound like you were busy enough already. It was like, yeah, let's do, oh, let's do all this stuff as well. Let's I know, but we spoke before the show actually because that was some one of the things that I was impressed of from when I read through Chris's background that you know there was all these different things. I was saying, look, you've got day to day activity, and Chris brought that. So you know the balance between day to day, the sort of team aspects, the you know massive immersive projects you get involved in. How do you? you know, maybe balance the demands. Again, this is for the listeners. They're, they're thinking, hang on, how does he, dem- you know, manage all these things? I won't say the answers you've given me because that would just be me pretending to be my answers. I'd love to steal some though. But then also, and how, you know, with the planning cycle for all of this stuff, you know, is it sort of day-to-day, week-to-week, quarter, year, right the way through? Or is it sort of, what's the structure of that? So I know, sorry, it's two questions in one, apologies. But how do you balance the demands? And then how do you plan out from that? Yeah, so yeah, I'd say some keys in, in all of that was was patience and communication. Certainly, you have to you know do a lot of planning to even be able to tackle these multi-pronged, very transformational projects, while also being able to support the day-to-day priorities of the business and managing cash controls, debt, and all of the things we know are, are key and priority day-to-day uh, for a corporate treasury organization. So certainly there's planning that has to be done and prioritization, but just knowing that you have to build in some flexibility, some patience along the way to be able to change. You have to communicate well along the way. I think you also have to develop uh, partnerships. It, what we've gone through as a company and within all the treasury transformation that we did, it wasn't just about treasury. Uh, We were highly connected to finance, accounting, accounts receivable, billing, 
working with the legal, working with tax. So we were very cross-functional in our effort. We Early on, we brought on support for the project and the transformational goals that we had as a treasury organization to get advocates behind what we thought would bring value to the business. And so it wasn't just us uh, championing the project. It was others that were coming along the ride with us and, and being advocates for the project, you know, communicating well outside of treasury and at the value so that we could kind of get that support that we needed and was frankly essential because we wouldn't be able to do it, you know, on our own. These projects take time. So there is this reality of project fatigue, I think, along the way. And so uh, just knowing that at times we have to take a step back, we have to reflect on kind of where we're at in the project, celebrate some wins along the way, uh, maybe reassess, do we have the right resources? Do we have the right project management elements, you know, project managers and, and tracking and communication? Do we just need to take a little bit of time to settle in with the milestones we've accomplished before we then ramp back up and take on the next milestones, even though maybe we're not done with the project. So I think just being constantly pragmatic about how you go about the project, being realistic and having that element of patience and agility and, and, and good communication along the way, along with some cross-functional partners, I think is really important. And in terms of team management and things like that, what, you know, where do you stand on that? What's your... You're talking about the the projects themselves, but with the people, how do you coach them? What's your you you know manager or you a coach or what's the sort of balance if you like? How do you lead your guys? Because I noticed you'd also you've done some studying yourself. You've got CTP and everything else in there. You know, do you, do you think that's a key thing about it, or is it getting guys that have got really strong tech background, technology, treasury technology? I mean, or what are you looking for, and how do you coach those guys? Yeah, great question. So in terms of my approach to the team, first of all, certainly being a coach, absolutely. You know, you think of, you know, a coach of uh, using a sports analogy, a coach of any team, you have to have belief in your players, right? You have to have belief in your people and that they're in the right roles. You know, you can't just put anybody into any position. You have to try and align, you know, natural skills and abilities and and passions with the, the right position. Uh, but once you've made some of those decisions, you really have to get behind those individuals and they have to know that you believe in them. There is coaching and and monitoring and calling the plays along the way to stick with the the sports analogy. So it's it, it is very much, you know, a, a coaching approach from my perspective. But in terms of you kind of also asked the question about I think maybe what do I look for in an individual to get on the field with us, right? And to uh, work towards the the goals that we want to achieve. Yeah, having a CTP or a background in in treasury, specifically corporate treasury, I think is valuable. You know, sometimes I hesitate on saying, is that the most valuable? Certainly to have some background and experience is great. I think besides the formal training of a CTP or, you know, certification in international cash management from, you know, some of the more treasury associations outside of the U.S., I think those are great for the training. But what I think is also important along with that is it shows that somebody is committed to learning treasury, that they're committed to that maybe longer term as a profession than maybe somebody that wants to come in and check it out, for lack of a better term, and then move on to something else, right? For a while, I found myself early on in in my career in, in trying to build a team, I found myself being somewhat of a launching pad for other people to then come into the business through treasury and develop and see a lot of different parts of the business, which is something that is unique and interesting about treasury, but then they would go off into other parts of the business. And, you know, that was a two-edged sword. It, it was it was great that we were doing something well in terms of bringing people in and training them and getting them exposure to the business, but it also was a bit challenging to continue to have that uh, be uh, an environment where It's great they're staying with the company, but we have to come in and and retrain people. So what I then transitioned to was really looking for individuals that are demonstrating some type of evidence that they'd see the value. They maybe see Treasury the same way I did early on in my career of, look, this is a niche opportunity, and I want to learn this. I wanted to invest my own time and my own energy into learning this. And so, like I say, to have the CTP or other training in corporate treasury 
is fantastic for that training. But to me, what it also shows is somebody's committing to this as a profession. And that is, you know, you can really get behind that and invest a lot more time and energy into a person that wants to learn it and, and wants to stay in, in corporate treasury. So before we come to the wrap-up of today's show, where I ask you about the future and we'll give you a LinkedIn profile and everything else, but just a pre-question there, so just my last couple of questions. So, Chris, you've gone through this process over the past 18 months. You've reduced the the banks, 10 down to two major banks in the U.S. and number of accounts, and you, you, you've rationalised, got this all, you know, this machine, you know, spinning nicely. This is really, you know, and I've heard this a few times with people, done this in a rapid time frame you're done you know surely what's the next iteration is it further technology or you're bringing this in it's this well-oiled machine where does the next challenge lie for you as a treasurer what do you see for the treasury team what's what's next on the agenda as it were yeah great question so i guess a couple of things come to mind so we have invested largely into technology and new process and everything that comes along with doing that, right? Having data at your fingertips, having the benefit of straight through processes. So I think one of our focus is now leveraging that investment and and really maximizing that investment. So what more can we do with data? What more can we do with that technology? So, So that is one. Working capital focus is also an area for us. Uh, Again, having this kind of going back to where we started this conversation of always having this broader perspective. Yes, the the most important thing day to day is having, you know, solid control of our bank accounts and doing cash position and managing cash well and, and managing our debt portfolio. But always in parallel to that, having, you know, this attention to what else is out there where maybe we can step in and add value. And I think on broad working capital management, you know, that that certainly is an area. Now, for me personally, I have responsibility for billing and global credit and collections and, and shared services. So I'm naturally tuned into those things. Mm-hmm. But what I'm referring to here is getting specifically the corporate treasury uh, part of my group to also step into working capital and what information can they provide to that? What, how can they be part of a broader working capital performance improvement team to bring value to the company? So that is one area that we'll really be investing in. You know, across the industry, I think, you know, there's so much around robotic process automation, uh, artificial intelligence, and there are very practical ways, I think, that that can be applied to to corporate treasury. So, you know, for us, we're actually looking at that uh, as a company. We're looking at that a broader finance and accounting perspective, but even within treasury, that's something that that we'll be looking into. And, you know, we still have acquisitions in our review mirror uh, to continue to integrate and, and to add value there as well. And with yourself, and, you know, as I said, alluded to there, this is, you know, the wrap-up question for today's show, which we always want to, and there's there's a whole host, you know, we could keep going, but we want to keep it to the sort of half-hour, 40-minute mark with a lot of people listening to this on their commute every day. Looking back at your, looking at yourself on LinkedIn, maybe, and someone looks through your profile says, do you know what, that sounds like fabulous. That's that's what I want to do. I'm going to follow, follow in the footsteps of Chris. You know, what would you say to those guys, and you know, as a piece of advice, and maybe also, I think you very much alluded to, because there's so much going on with yourself, with activity, you know, team, projects, everything else, and the balancing of those. What sort of advice would you give to people? What are the sort of two or three pieces of advice you think people sitting there on the train, oh, right, okay, this is what I need to be thinking about today. What, what would you sort of pass on to them, if you know, your, your pearls of wisdom, Chris, it's over to you. Yeah, great question. And a lot of different things come to mind and we don't have a a ton of time here. We're trying to close out. So I'll I'll try and maybe only mention a few, but you know, one is really to have this approach of becoming the expert in, in what you do, you know, what's in front of you day to day, really understand it and put in the time to, to be the expert in that area to where others looking on would look at that and say, what he or she does in in this area of responsibility, he or she does that very well. They know it and they they really are our internal expert in that area, whatever it is, uh, however big or small somebody might think it is, tackle it and embrace it, own it, and really become the expert in it. In in addition to that, and I've kind of talked about that, this throughout the, the podcast today of while doing that, 
also be on the lookout for other opportunities, not to switch gears and pursue upper opportunities and, and maybe leave behind what you're doing, but what are some other ways that you can, in parallel to that, to, to step into and learn it, to maybe add some value, to take on maybe a, you know, a fractional role in, in a project or a certain initiative while also you know, being that expert day-to-day. So to give yourself exposure, to continue to torn some new areas and to have some opportunities to, to grow uh, based on those opportunities. I would also say build relationships. You know, that honestly early on in my career was not something that I valued as much as I do today of, you know, grow real relationships, partnerships, you know, cross-functionally inside and outside the business. That can only help you. It, it, it certainly doesn't hurt you. So, you know, growing relationships and knowing that you're, you're going to make mistakes, admit mistakes, learn from them, learn quickly, fail quickly and learn quickly and, uh, and put that learning to, to your benefit. Now, those are a few things that come to mind. Amazing. So summary, keep stretching, but don't get complacent, build relationships, both internal and external. They're always going to help and know it's going to be a bumpy ride to prepare for it, but uh, that's what you can do. Look at that. Great yeah. nuggets of advice yeah. there from Chris. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure, sir, to talk to you today. Thank you for your time. I'm sure we'll do it again on another podcast or on a stage somewhere. Uh, well, thank you very much. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been you know, great to chat to you today. We'll put Chris's details in the show notes if it's, he wants to be part of the network of his, but part of his external network, as it were, which is always great to have. Then I'm sure Chris will reach out. But thank you very much for your time today, sir. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Been a lot of fun. Let's do it again. Great stuff. Thanks very much. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast i recorded way back pre-covid wow pre a different kind of world with chris wyckoff chris then was the treasurer of intrado as you heard chris's life has moved on since then onwards and upwards but i'm pleased to say i'm going to shut up let chris take over the story from there from when we last spoke chris you join us again four years later talk us through what it was like then what happened next talk to the listeners over to you sir yeah, thanks, Mike. Yeah, just reflecting on when you and I last spoke and doing that podcast, you know, that that was a fun time. Yes, four years ago, a lot has changed, you know, since then, uh, pro- professionally and otherwise, for all of us, you know, we're beyond uh, the pandemic now. And, and that certainly has, you know, left a mark on a lot of how we do business. And, but also from a professional standpoint, at that time, I was with Entrato and, and West Corporation. And now I'm with uh, a new company, Werner Enterprises, new industry, new role. So it's been exciting. I've been with Werner for uh, almost six months now and uh, thrilled to be here. It was not necessarily uh, a year ago, an opportunity that that I exactly would have known to, to think up or to write that narrative, but excited to be here. And there's a lot going on, but it's been a great opportunity. And who are Werner Enterprises? What's the background? I know we had this on our pre-podcast call. You've got links to the area where you are, which has been a nice move for you. But who are they? What are they that you can say out there to the world? Yeah, Werner is um, a leader in the supply chain, logistics, trucking, and broadly in the freight and transportation market. It's a 67-year-old company started by C.L. Werner with one truck, and there's Throughout the company and in North America, we have over 8,000 trucks, almost 8,300 trucks and even more uh, trailers uh, within our trucking business. And so just significant growth. In addition to that, we also have a brokerage business that is growing, a more of an asset light business that is growing as well. So it's you know, a business of over $3 billion in revenue, a public company, and this is in a business that is just very fragmented. Just some of the brief statistics, Mike, is about 80% or even over 80% of the market and specifically in the trucking market is with carriers of 20 or less trucks. And then it reaches over 90% of the market with carriers that have 200 or less trucks. And Werner is in a place of, like I said, almost 8,300 trucks in addition to having this brokerage business. So it's just a very fragmented market. 
and and Werner has grown and evolved and really competes at the very upper end of the market, servicing large enterprise customers and shippers and supporting uh, the most complex, most sophisticated freight that very few in the marketplace have the ability to to do that. So, and while it's you know almost a, a 70 year old company, it's just continued to evolve, grow, transform in a number of different ways. And so it's exciting to be a part of that. And you being a treasurer and you've taken on a lot more responsibility, I'd stress that as well. And as you'd moved through your previous role, and then you've made the move into the CFO seat, if you like, how was that transition? Because, you know, a lot of treasurers say, oh, I want, I'd like to be the CFO, I'd like to do that. I know there were also links to the local area, which was a good one for yourself, but how have you found that transition and, you know, other people listening, oh, I want to be like Chris. I want to do that. How, how have you found it? Yeah. Well, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not a flip yeah. of, a, of a switch. It's it's certainly something that evolves. And, you know, I over eight years ago when I was still at Comscope and, and was the treasurer there and had been there for 12, almost 13 years, that scope and role had evolved with my time at Comscope. Certainly treasury, but also shared services, involvement in M&A, in um, capital structure, design and strategy, long-term planning, risk management. We had an IPO uh, after going from public to private under large private equity for three years and then uh, completing an IPO in 2013. And so it was over a decade with Comscope of um, growing from a $500 million business when they acquired a division of Avaya, which is what took me to Comscope in the 0304 timeframe to being over 5 billion over a decade later when I left and they've continued to grow. And, and so, you know, that was a unique time and, and decade with Comscope where they were evolving and transforming and, and I was able to evolve and transform with them. So, you know, it was a good opportunity to learn new things, build relationships and step into new opportunities, even if I didn't necessarily have, you know, the full knowledge experience to step into those opportunities and challenges with confidence. I was nonetheless, you know, given those opportunities and had drive and motivation to learn new things. Uh, and so, you know, it evolves, you know, at West Corporation and, and in Trotto, that was a public company when I joined them. And then they were taken private also by large private equity. And, you know, that evolved into a broader finance role, executive vice president of finance, while also having the treasurer title. And as part of that role, it was tax, it was treasury, it was shared services, lender, investor relations, M&A, and other aspects. And so, you know, I, I think you have to recognize that uh, first, be the best at what you do in the present moment. You know, what's right in front of you, be the very best at it. You know, aim to do that with excellence. Equip people along the way to be successful for the future. Equip them, empower them, you know, uh, provide the people around you and your team with vision and uh, with this them as a collective group and embracing being a center of excellence, whether that is really niche in treasury or even an aspect of treasury, or if it's a broader, maybe more multifunctional role, doing it with excellence and embracing, equipping and empowering people along the way. And I think you have to have patience. You know, if you've got ambition to go on to broader scoped roles, more responsibility, potentially a CFO, you know, recognize that, you know, that's not going to happen tomorrow, but it's, it's focusing on the long-term and being the best at, at what you're doing that's in front of you in the moment, but also looking for opportunities, building relationships, selling your accomplishments, and always learning along the way. And I said to Chris briefly before we got, we had a great pre-podcast call the other week and we caught up and I said, look, you're now the CFO and that transition from treasurer to CFO, what were some of the pick out moments? And I'm going to shout them out because it was great the other day. It was about, you know, and how a treasurer is building relationships, seeking out opportunities. But one of the things that really jumped out and you said, look, putting your hand up for tasks, volunteering for the task internally, you know, not external volunteering, but more, you didn't have the full knowledge of it, but you had the patience to get stuck in you know, you did that and that's enabled you to do this. Can you talk that through? Because I think 
again, if you're a treasurer listening today and you're going, well, I'm doing my role, but I want to be a CFO. Okay, well, listen to this podcast with Chris. This teaches you how to do it. What learning points would you give those guys? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it is you know very much about uh, building relationships, as you said, r- really owning and embracing what's in front of you in, in the moment. You know, your responsibilities in the moment, your team, regardless of how small, how large, but doing that with excellence. You know, we all have opportunities to lead, even when we're not. You know having a leader in in our title, or we all have opportunities to lead. First, we have opportunities to lead ourselves, and then we have opportunities to, to lead others, even if they're not reporting to us with a broad set of responsibilities. But we have opportunities all the time to just lead others well in, in our conversations, in our activities, in positivity about how we take on challenges. And all of that lead, it can lead to bigger and, and better things. And so Focusing on what's in front of you, being mindful of of people, and and like you said, of always looking for opportunities and being w- willing to raise your hand to step out to say, yeah, I'd like to learn more about that, or can I be a part of maybe solving that or taking that on or learning more about that and researching that? Can I be a, a part of the team or how can I help in in this way or in that way? And you don't have to do that. Only if you know how to execute, if you know the roadmap, <clears throat> the roadmap of how to maybe solve that problem, it's okay to be learning along the way. I think it's most important of just having this willingness to to raise your hand, to step out and say, yeah, I'd like to be a part of that. How can I be a part of that? And you know, if you're not making some mistakes to a, a certain extent, then you're really not progressing. You're not learning. You're not moving forward. And so I think people have to be comfortable with a space of being uncomfortable in yeah. order to learn yeah, new yeah. things and take on new territory. And I'm just, again, looking at my notes and when you and I caught up before and it, it sort of resonated your move, you know, to CFO, uh, Joel Campbell, who I'm, he's on stage with me at AFP coming up in San Diego and there were, and I listened back to some of my audio with him where we did an update of his transition and he brought up a point which you made as well about that your treasury skills were vital and, of, and transferred across industries. But then you said a deep under, you know, a deeper understanding became more crucial. How the sort of the difference, there's a commonality with treasury, the business, but for CFO ship, you know, what would you, you know, you look back and maybe, okay, I didn't do that as treasurer. What would you, again, should people be looking for in that CFO type job? What have you found is, wow, this is different. I didn't do that before. Or you know, what should they prepare themselves for? Yeah. Well, certainly, I think just from a pure tactical and the scope and, you know, different uh, in the day in the life of a CFO, you're just involved in in so many different aspects yeah. of the company, so many conversations, uh, meetings, topics, and so, you know, the more that somebody maybe coming up through treasury can be exposed to different aspects within the broader finance accounting ar- arena, for sure. Again, embrace treasury to the fullest, make that a center of excellence, be the very best in it, regardless of, you know, size of the company, size of the team and scope of, of treasury, do it very well. But then along the way, look for those opportunities where you can, you know, start to learn or take on some new ground, you know, sell the accomplishments that you've done in treasury, sell that value and how you can then translate that into other cross-functional, other broader finance, accounting, shared services, uh, tax, risk management. So evaluate kind of the broader landscape, I think, of finance and accounting and what, you know, I think there are a lot of circumstances within each company, right? Each company risk management might be more at the forefront than a co- for a company than maybe in another area, or maybe risk management and ERM, or maybe the international landscape isn't as much of a, of a, a focal point given the circumstances of a business, but potentially shared services or a technology or tax has a bigger priority and, and footprint in the company. And so evaluating where you can maybe have a a natural segue into another area to be a part of that, to take that on, to solve problems, to collaborate, 
and turn that into opportunities. And so from a CFO perspective, just the more you have experience in accounting, tax, treasury, shared services, capital structure, balance sheet, working capital, acquisitions, technology, all of those and more, you know, the the more that you can have kind of a broad flavor and some experience in those areas certainly is helpful. By the time, you know, you, as you grow in your career, one of the, that I think uh, things that I think is, you know, very evident for anybody that's kind of going through that trajectory and and evolution is that it's so much more about people. And mm-hmm. and less about being hands on, but more about what you can do with a, a team of people. You know, in my role today, I I plug in and plug out and then have to plug back into mm-hmm. topics that can be, you know, 10, 20 different topics, to, you know, throughout the day, you know, certainly throughout the week. And so and it's plugging into conversations. It's plugging into people. It's not, you know, sitting uh, b- behind the the laptop for two hours working on a, a specific deliverable or analysis or task. Certainly, there's some um, time that I need on my own to prepare, to study, to evaluate. Um, uh, but that does become the the challenge to find that time. Uh, the vast majority of my time is plugging in to co- certain conversations and topics with people plugging out of that in order to then plug into you know something different and so prioritizing those topics and conversations and initiatives maintaining focus being agile across you know different you know business matters in a given day certainly in a given week is important and equipping and empowering you know people and being surrounded by people and good relationships that hey when you plug out of a conversation they can keep that particular topic or deliverable or whatever they can keep that moving in a good direction and i could literally i'm not gonna i'm not gonna finish it there because i mean there's brilliant advice and stuff but there's another area and you you very kindly brought it or touched on there so you got the technical areas and you and i you were in a very technology strong area but you know role before now you're in logistics and i was being interviewed as i said to chris before in another podcast about recruitment and the aspects and they said you know what has changed is it technology is it this i went the world has changed when you and i did this originally hybrid wasn't a word really now it is you know working from home is the thing it's the questions i get asked i was just looking here about how particularly given you're a logistics company and it's an interesting one how with your role at werner you know are you navigating challenges you know, presented by this being back in the office or is it hybrid? And I don't want to, just in general, you know, I'm not wanting to delve into company, you know, logistics or culture. I was with Chris, another Chris actually in New York recently. He's a COO and he was saying, look, we monitor how people are at their desks, but it wasn't with a stick. It wasn't like to go, no, you know, you need to be there. It was quite the opposite. He was saying, well, actually, how do we then control the heating? You know, how do we then you know, accommodate for those people. Are we going to stick with a two-day working week in the office or what are we going to do? So back to you, I've said enough. What are you, what, what's happening with you? What are you guys and how are you approaching it? Yeah, it, it's certainly a different world. You're absolutely right. Before coming to Werner with Weston and Entrato, there was much more <clears throat> remote and hybrid work and individuals, including myself. And that's just given the circumstances that were evolving at West and Entrato and as a private company and a lot that was evolving and, and changing. And and so there, the extent of remote and, and hybrid work was a bit more lasting beyond the pandemic. And so I had a few years of that type of an environment. And you know what it did is convinced me that people can be amazingly productive. I mean, really productive. I, I was really shocked and amazed and probably more of a pessimist going into the pandemic and everybody around the world, not just in the US, but everybody around the world starting to work from home. And I think once we got past some technology challenges, I was really surprised at just in every function of the business, you know, the basics of billing customers, collecting from customers, you know, supporting the technology, every aspect of what we did, people found a way to be productive and do their jobs and and the company kept going. And so 
it can work and people can be productive. However, I do think that there's elements of collaboration, culture, relationship building that is is lost over time. And so coming to Werner, <clears throat> it was it was certainly a shift. I mean, Werner got through the pandemic with over 80% of our workforce being drivers and mechanics that never had the opportunity or the practicality to work from home or, or have a hybrid concept. Uh, mm. That just didn't exist. And as a result of that, the leadership team here at Werner from day one, they set the tone, they set the example and continued to be in the office. Obviously, there were still some changes of people having to be you know, separate and cautious and maybe not meet in conference rooms. But Werner had the approach uh, throughout the pandemic of really being in the office. Now, there's still elements here of some hybrid work, but I, it, it's certainly in the mi- minority. And and then there might be very few pockets of you know true remote work, but, but it, it's few and far between. And so that was a, a change for me personally and professionally, but it was a, a welcome change. It was just a change that I needed to work through. But there's a lot of collaboration um, uh, here. It's a large campus. There's a lot of people here at corporate uh, headquarters for Warner, which is also a, you know, one of our driver schools that's close by a terminal, a lot going on operationally rather than, you know, solely being a, a corporate, maybe traditional office. So a lot of people here and it's been fantastic to be back in the office with people. And that just feels normal. It it hasn't been six months since uh, I've joined the company, but it just feels normal to be in the office every day and just have access to people and be working in the presence of people every day. It's been a change, but it's yeah. been very good. A good change. And you were very kind you know, so many years ago to give us, you know, take away bits of advice and things, but now it's moved on. So, I, you know, the key question as we wrap up today is based on your journey so far, if you like, and you've made this step what advice again we're predominantly a treasury podcast you know this you came on it before yeah, right aspiring treasurers aiming to transition into an executive role like a cfo you've given lots of nuggets there but as you summarize it what are the takeaways or the you know those guys should have in their notebook now yeah well first don't convince yourself that because of some of how you came up through treasury how you you know, what your background has in it or doesn't have in it. Yeah. Don't ever be convinced that somehow you don't meet some mold or some predefined, you know, step plan to continue to move your career forward and to get to CFO or whatever position you aspire to. I mean, it's, it absolutely can be done. And I think it takes, you know, patience. I think it does take effort and intentionality, but if that's your goal, it, it, it can be done. Uh, as I've said a couple of times here, be the best at what's in front of you in the moment. You know, that set of responsibilities with that team, whether it's small or large, pursue that with excellence and do that very well. And then engage with people, build relationships, um, sell your accomplishments, sell the value of the team and uh, look for opportunities to get engaged in other areas. That can start with a conversation. That can start with being a part of a meeting. That can start with um, being a part of a collective group of people that's trying to solve a problem um, or or study a, a particular business matter. It, it can evolve through conversations of people who can make those decisions, right? That are in a position to say, um, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm listening to that concept of um, how if we could expand this opportunity and maybe uh, bring in some uh, financial shared services, you know, credit and collections or, or you know, procure to pay you know, billing aspects or to have connectedness with tax, have connectedness with international matters, with risk management, whether that be maybe more limited around taking on insurance or it can be more broad of really having a key role in enterprise risk management, which, you know, continues to evolve and grow and, and have a lot of importance in companies in FP&A, starting maybe with working capital, with balance sheet, with cash flow forecasting, short term and long term for large international companies, really showing that niche expertise in FX risk management, in interest rate risk management, in commodity risk management. So there's just a lot of opportunities. I think maybe you have to step out of the day to day and 
to evaluate that landscape in your particular company and enterprise and say, what are those opportunities that I can pursue? What are those relationships I can pursue? And to raise my hand and step out and be a part of something different that can lead to you know other additional opportunities and, and taking on new ground. Amazing. And I think you know the takeaways for any treasurers listening today is even if they were just to do 10% of what you've recommended, it's going to improve their careers. Do 100% of it and they'll follow yourself. So amazing. Thank you, sir. You've been an absolute superstar and thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, this was fun, Mike. Thanks for the opportunity. Hello, Treasury professionals. Before you dive into the next episode, could you please help me continue to grow the world's only global Treasury salary survey? That's right, our one. We run the results quarterly, so you know your compensation is constantly benchmarked against the market and your peer group each and every three months. It's amazing, isn't it? Just go to treasurysalary.com. Takes less than two minutes to complete, start to finish. You then gain exclusive, regular, updated access to our salary survey, keeping you ahead of the curve. The survey is an evolving, breathing entity that constantly tracks the salaries of treasury professionals on a global basis. Currently, we have over 1,100 participants taking part. By the end of 2023, I want to hit 1,500, but that's where I need your help. Please make it happen at treasurysalary.com. Thank you for being such amazing loyal listeners. Your support is incredible. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you. Go to treasurysalary.com. Make it 1,500 for 2023. Love you guys.